This is Pat Cashman along with Lisa Foster, and this is a special Peculiar Podcast episode dedicated entirely to a man named Dustin John Gordon Hornby, a remarkable radio artist who passed from us recently, just 70 years old. If you know his name from Seattle Radio and the radio shows we did, you're mourning him like we are. But if you don't know who Dustin Hornby was, you need to come and find out. The year is 1963. The place is just 250 miles south of the Arctic Circle, a town called Yellowknife, Northern Territories, Canada. I have a young man I would like to talk to. His name is Dusty Hornby. Dusty, how old are you? I am 10 years old. Now, this is the reason I want to talk to this young man. He is probably the youngest CBC disc jockey in the country. Dusty has his own show, Calling All Children, which is heard on the McKenzie Network and is broadcast from CFYK here in Yellowknife. Dusty, how long have you been doing the show? Oh, I... well... From December. I started in December. And it's a a five-day-a-week show or six? Every day. It's a Monday through Friday show. And how long does it run? Uh, Is it a half hour? No, it's 20 minutes from 10 minutes after 4.30. And Dusty, what do you do on the show? Tell me a little bit about the show itself. Well, there's lots of tapes like old tales and new, tales from the four winds and your time, and I play some records. Somebody told me that you know how to run all of the equipment in the station, too, that you're down there learning the whole business of radio right from top to bottom. Do you want to be in radio? Is that your whole ambition when you grow up? Yes. Well, I guess this kid knew what he wanted to be at a pretty early age. That was from 1963, Lisa. Young Dustin, already big into broadcasting, and he never looked back. That's what he always wanted to do. That's so sweet. It's just, just so sweet. I, it's amazing. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what I wanted for lunch when I was that age. <laughs> yeah. and that he already knew exactly, and he did what he wanted to do when he was a kid. That's just, just really impressive to me. Yeah, he was just drawn to it. It's amazing the stuff that he did. But he grew up as 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 I mentioned in a place called Yellowknife, almost in the center of the Canadian Northwest, on the north arm of Great Slave Lake, lies the mining town of Yellowknife. 580 miles from the nearest railroad and 285 miles from the Arctic Circle, it is a unique addition to the surrounding age-old wilderness. And then uh, I, I looked it up, and the the other famous person besides Dustin that was from Yellowknife was Margot Kidder. Oh, really? Yeah, from the Superman movie. Easy, miss. I've got you. you you've got me? Who's got you? I never, I never heard him dropping her name. Well, I think they had an acrimonious breakup. Oh. Well, I'll tell you one name that Dustin did drop a lot because he was so proud of him, and that was his grandfather, Ernie Baffa, a legendary bush pilot. And that is not a profession for the faint of heart. Flying out in this area takes a different skill. Being a bush pilot, you have to know... A little bit about everything. Mechanics, you got to have good judgment. Good eyesight helps. If you're ever stuck for a few days, you got to know how to survive, how to build a shelter. And Ernie Baffa, who lived to nearly 100, traveled all over the Northwest Territories, flying out of Yellowknife on the shores of a really big lake. Covering approximately 28,568 square kilometers in total surface area, the Great Slave Lake is the second largest lake in Canada, the fifth largest lake in North America, and the tenth largest lake in the world by total surface area. And that's life in Yellowknife. Yellowknife, Let me give you a little bit of his background, this remarkable person. Can I, before you get to that, you sent me this, um, you said, hey, Lise, when you get a chance, take a look at his history and his accomplishments. And it is, um, it's not lost on me that this seems to be when we do this for people is after they're gone. And I had no idea all of these, all of these things that he, he did and, and was, um, 
so good at. And it's, it's a little heartbreaking to me that we kind of don't really know people we think we know um, until they're. Well, Lisa, I think a lot of people that will readily tell you all of their accomplishments. Dustin wasn't no, like that. He wasn't. He was very self-effacing. Why didn't you mention that? Why didn't you tell me that at eight years old, you created your own radio station <laughs> In your house, right. hiring kids in your neighborhood as the personalities. So uh, and you used a tape recorder and a record player. And, and then you were hired in Yellowknife to host the children's program. And you read stories on the air. You operated the board and you were 10 years old. And this was back in and, the six, early 60s yeah, that yeah. he did all Here's this. one that just startled me. He never mentioned this. He was a chess champion. What? I think four years in a row in his hometown as a kid, he he won a curling trophy. That doesn't that that doesn't surprise me. I just yeah. I could see Dustin doing the curling thing with the broom and the thing and the thing. He was class valedictorian. But he traveled around. He went to University of Alberta. He was in the drama department. I saw a picture of him. He was in a play. Maybe it wasn't in Alberta, but. He was in a play, and there's a photo of him, and he's not wearing a shirt, just wearing, like, swim trunks, and he plays the part of a Japanese guy, and he had to shave his entire body because Dustin was one of the hairiest humans I've known since Smokey the Bear, and so he had to shave his entire body in order to uh, to play the part. I, I didn't know he had the big drama background. Uh, that, did I didn't a, know that either. I didn't know that either. A variety of programs from classical to pop. He did news. He did everything. And he moved around all these CBC affiliates across Canada. CBC uh, is the Canadian broadcast. Right. Uh, this is CBC. But his resume is, is just too long for us to do justice to. I know. Right and now. And you've only somehow, gotten to the 70s. You've only gotten to the yeah. 70s and he's already done yeah. all of this. Anyway, when he did finally, he come he, to? When did he come to America? I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America, everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Okay. In 1985, I think it was, and he okay. started working at a radio station called KPGA in Pismo Beach, California. That's a, oh, he was in California. That surprises yeah, yeah. me. Oh, I he thought, loved California. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And even not only on the air, but he supervised the on-air staff. He was a program director. He budgeted salaries. He did all these things. And then he finally comes to Olympia, where he worked at KTOL AM as an oldies format. And then that station went dark in 1990. And his next stop was at King 1090 Radio. And that is where I first met him. K-I-N-G, Seattle. And that is also when I first met him. Uh, so I think you had just started the morning show. I came on pretty quickly when you started as well. Yeah. Because I, I filled in for some woman or girl. And then um, the the manager said, hey, let's keep this going. And so that's when I first met him, too. Had never done talk radio. I was in an utter panic when I got hired for this thing because I, <laughs> I thought, what am I going to do? I, I'll, I won't know what to talk about. I'll, I'll freeze on the air. I will have no subjects, no topics. I won't know what to do. And Dustin was the, was the board op. I didn't know him. And one time I remember I'm kind of stuck. We're coming out of a commercial. And he kicks into this song. I can still remember it. You remember Fields of Gold, Sting, and I'd never heard the song yet. It was brand new. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, that sounds good. I don't sound good, but the way he came into our break with that song, it it just slowly, it slowly opened my eyes to how this show could be structured. So she took her love for two With, with music coming in and out or, or after an interview or before an interview. And, and he was the so perfect. The perfect segues. He perfect. never missed. He never missed ever. He, no. it would always be astonishing. Not only how good he was at the choices, but how fast he was. Yeah. We'd be talking about something and like 
a snap second later, he would have the perfect music for it. Yeah. Like, like this was not planned. I think a lot of people think, oh, you get the music chosen before you start. To, no, this was all on the fly. Yeah. His a, mind just worked that way. Yes. It was astonishing. Astonishingly fast. The guy loved Burger King Whoppers. I remember we'd, we'd bring oh, him in. Right. He'd eat them in the morning. He'd, he'd eat them for breakfast. I remember He swore that. they were healthy for him. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> whopper, 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 junior double, triple whopper, flame grill taste with perfect toppers. I rule this day. FBK, have it your way. The other thing he would do, Lisa, a lot was he would uh, routinely call me a jackass. Yes, and uh, and so uh, that inspired Which can me. Can I can I make a make a comment here, which I thought was very um, risky, given the fact that you know FCC regulations back then were pretty um, tight, and and even the word "ass" was sort of really pushing the envelope it was. to be able to say that word on. But I think we got away with it, or you he got away with it. Because jackass, he didn't call you an ass. That would have been, or an asshole. But jackass, because it was an animal, they went, well, what can we do? That's really what the name of it is. It's a jackass. There was nothing profane about it. It was just funny. uh, It it inspired me to write a a song about him. Cashman, mind your own business, you jackass. Come on, and I said, horn me, that ain't no way to treat a friend. I can't believe you'd call me a jackass. Like that, and horn me, said, I'm sorry, Pat, but I just couldn't think. Too fast of something else that rhymes as good with green, green grass. Green, green grass. So that that was uh, that was my tribute to Dust. Uh, but I remember he would come up with songs. I realized I don't know much about music really, but he I learned so much from him. I remember yeah. one morning he starts this song. I'd never heard this before. By the Who. And I said, man, this has got a cool groove to it, Dustin. I said, this sounds like a guy strutting down the street, cocky and full of himself. And Dustin said, yeah, that's why I thought it'd be perfect for your show. I used to make a lot of jokes about how fat my butt was, too, if you remember. It's just a silly bit. It is a silly bit. (laughs) But whenever I bring it up, Dustin would play a song like this. Or sometimes he'd play this one. And then most famously, of course, he would play a lot of music of Canadian artists. He, of course. He loved his fellow Canadians, Brian Adams, Look into my Leonard Cohen, yeah. Neil Young, Old man, look at my life. Joni Mitchell. I've looked at clouds from both sides now. Justin Bieber's oh, that sounds that sure my parade. The Guess Who And of course Gordon Lightfoot You could read my mind love What a tale my thoughts could tell And a young guy named Michael Bublé Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And a country guy named Hank Snow Pardon me 
And Dustin would often play music by this guy. His name was Bruce Coburn, spelled C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N. Coburn. But, of course, I would intentionally mispronounce it to <laughs> Dustin's annoyance. Say, oh, that's a great song, Dustin, by Bruce Cockburn. And he'd say, it's Coburn. It's Coburn, Pat. And I'd say, hey, Dustin, did you just hear that? <laughs> I think the crow just went, co-ca-doodle-doo. And I'd, he he <laughs> wasn't really annoyed, but he kind of acted annoyed. And with Dustin... His tongue was so firmly in his cheek all the time that uh-huh. you were never quite sure, is he kidding or is he not kidding? And mm-hmm. that, to me, was extremely attractive. You do a very good Dustin impression, by the way. I have not heard you do that in a long time. And that does <laughs> bring you. back some really good memories. I also I'm... remember the other thing about him. Not only did he eat Whoppers in the studio for breakfast, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. but remember how much crap we would give him about not showering. And mm-hmm. he, he was not a daily showerer and it, he didn't, he never smelled and he never looked slovenly or any oh. of that. He looked clean, but he would just, he was very um, adamant that showers, frequent showers were unhealthy. For I know we got, and a, he uh... would talk about, he would talk about the oils. Like you had to have natural your, oils, your natural oils. We got a nice uh, comment from a listener. We got a lot of them, actually. But this guy said, uh, I'm sorry, it's Julie, not a guy. She said uh, he just he just was a delight. His knowledge of music was astounding. He's, she said the one insight he once shared was the fact that he only showered once a week <laughs> to let his natural oils keep his skin soft and supple. And she says, oh, Dustin, how right you were, even if most people found it repugnant. Well, I don't know about that. He but. is right. I don't now. I, I'm like when COVID hit and nobody was going anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, the joke was, well, when was the last time you showered? And he's like, well, I don't know. It's been three days. I think maybe four. Yeah. And it's true. It's like, <laughs> you, why would you shower? Why do you shower every day for crying out loud? The other thing, Lisa, he loved James Bond. He he knew every James Bond movie up and down. He loved the music from it. Six minutes past six. Cashman, Lisa Foster is here, and Dustin Hornby is right over there. Playing the French horn. What is this important music we're listening to, Dustin? You may remember it as the theme to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, yes. The ski film where George Lazenby played Bond for the first and only time. Wasn't that the film where he said... The name is Bond. James Bond. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one I was thinking. I saw the prize later. Actually, we gave it away a couple of weeks ago. We gave it we away have a couple octopus-y. of weeks ago. We don't have a copy this morning to give it away. We've got octopusy this morning. We've got octopusy this morning. For the couch potato contest. Have a look at Isn't octopusy the one where not even... the guy said the name is Bond? James Bond. That's the one. Yeah, I saw that film. I love that film. And the other thing about him, and he was very particular about the spelling of his last name. Yeah, and he was adamant about it. It's not yeah. Hornsby, like, you know, the musical artist Bruce Hornsby. It's Hornby. No S. Right. Hey, everybody. Listen close here now. Hornby is spelled... H-O-R-N-B-Y Got that right. There ain't no S anywhere in his name. No S. It's H-O-R-N-B-Y. Hornby 
misspelled H-O-R-N-T-Y. Don't forget it. But he also, people would call, would drop the H and call him Orm, like O-R-M, Ormsby. They just would, they would just never get it right. Hello, is this Mr. Ormsby? Well, it's an unusual name, but I have always said, you know, I, I make up a bunch of goofy names for these dumb parodies and bits that I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I could never come up with a name as good as a real name. Brust, uh, Dustin Hornby. It's perfect name. <laughs> yeah. More and more, I started bringing him onto the show as a regular member as, as time yeah. went by. We uh, went to King 1090, of course, but then later we, we tra- transferred over to, uh, almost without uh, an interruption over to the Buzz. Uh, it was a Cairo right. FM station. It doesn't exist anymore. It's country now, I think, or something. But that's where mm-hmm. we wound up as we continued. And Dustin started doing these regular bits, including one he called the Couch Potato Contest, which was kind of a movie trivia deal. Right. All-time high, Rita Coolidge from Octopussy. Roger Moore is 007. The old popcorn going here this morning. Mm-hmm. Got that machine working. If somebody guesses the uh, the movie, now the movie's not Octopussy. That's that's what that's the prize you will receive. That's right. You receive a copy of the movie. Um, could be a movie from the 30s. Could be from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and even the 90s. Pat it covers just about everything. That's right. Can down. you turn that machine? It's so loud. Just a second. Here. Turn it down. So could you just. Wins, it's just that easy. Okay, I'll set to run the projector. Yeah, let me, yeah. Well, here it is. Yeah. Here we go. I'm ready. There we go. Hiding behind a smoke screen of bourgeois cliches. I don't go messing about with your earphones, do I? Spoil sport. Cut it. You got him stumped today, eh, Bill? I mean, hey, Dustin? Bill, it's the first time in our career together you have ever called me Bill. I was looking at the screen, and there's a Bill who's called in here. But do you know the film? Uh, it sounded like Ringo Starr in Hard Day's Night. Yeah, way to stump yeah, him, Bill. Easy. This is the only song in the entire <laughs> film. Sure stump him. Man, that's a stumper. Wow, jeez. Really stumped him on that one. (laughs) Now listen now. Listen to me for a second. By the way, we got four other callers. They were all right. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. Oh, man. You didn't stump anybody. Got a call from a kid who was born last week. Including the title track. Citizen Kane of Jukebox Musicals, Pat. That's what they were calling 1964 as a hard day's night. Everybody knows. Man. All yours, pal. Yeah, that's it. You're kind of bitter, aren't you, right now? <laughs> 
dust. You're not fooling anybody. They're on to you, man. Well, I'll tell you. Most They're hip to you. No, that, that, that was the first time that we've had it where the first caller got it, wasn't it? I mean, well, we but the, the fact of the matter is, I could have chosen any caller in any order. They all had they it. All they all had it. They were okay, all I've right. got to get tougher. I have to get tougher. I thought that was tough. You have so you just now you. But everybody knew it, Dust. I mean, you didn't fool anybody. See, all the films you have are too well known. They're not obscure enough. Well, for those that didn't get it, that was a scene in which Ringo was chastising a production assistant for touching his drums in A Hard Day's Night. And I know there were some that did not get it at all. The evidence doesn't support what you just said. I don't think you fooled anyone. Hey, I got an idea. Next week, why don't we, the first, the first wrong answer, let them be the winner. The first person that does get stumped. What do you say? Did you get that one yourself? You didn't know that one. Sure. No. Did you get it, Lisa? Oh, yeah, I knew. You know, I have to say, I would have had to think about it a little longer, but I just rented that movie a few weeks ago, so it sounded quite familiar. So it didn't, didn't fool you at all, did it, Lisa? <laughs> no, it didn't fool her. Man, the thing about it is, poor Dustin, he does this at home. He takes these films. I mean, I know we have the projector, and we want to create that illusion, but the reality is he, take, he takes his own time at home, to, to screen the movie, works at it, looks at it, and trying to find just the right cut that's going to fool somebody. And so, what did you spend on? What would you say you spent on that? About about eight hours, wouldn't you say? Yeah, at least that. About eight hours putting that clip, and he fooled nobody. But I'll fool him next week, Pat. I'll fool him next week. By the way, here is Michael on the line from Bellevue. Yes, hello? Yes. Yes, I want to uh, console Dustin a little bit because I didn't get it at all. You didn't get it. I didn't, didn't get it. Get it. Uh, and, you, and you know, hello? Yes. I want to say that Pat Cash is a poo-poo head. This is Comment, a special presentation of The Buzz, 100.7 FM. And now, Comment. This is the chairman of the board, Dustin Hornby. That caller was wrong. Pat Cashman is not a poo-poo head. He will always remain a jackass. This has been Comment. Thanks for going to bat for me, buddy. This is Comment. A special presentation of The Buzz, 100.7 FM. And now, Comment. Hi, Pat. My name's David. I'm mm -hmm. Kirkland, and I'm... How old are you, David? How old are you? Twelve. All right. And I got the movie. This has been Comment. But, oh, he could get mad at me if I, if I mispronounced a name or I forgot the name of an artist. Like Bob Thompson. You know, we kid. We kid, don't we, Dust? That's what we do around here. Yeah, sure. We kid. Yeah. You know I'm kidding. I, I, to tell you the truth, I didn't get it. I do, but I just, you know, I don't get any of these. No, I really thought it was a little. You'd bit have to be something. You play something real obvious for me to get. Yeah, that English accent gave it away. I think. I, I've got, I've got. A well, then there's been a recent resurgence of interest in the Beatles too. So maybe a lot more people have seen the movie than if you'd maybe timed it like you know maybe a year ago, you might have pulled it off. But look, that just that just make you more determined to find one. I mean, the fact right. is, it, people like to win. That's why they. They like to watch game shows on TV. They like to be right. If you have a bunch of people that are wrong, that makes people feel bad. It starts their day off on a bad note. This way, so many people were right. They feel good about themselves. I'm thinking picking a little bit too commercial-oriented films. I'm going to get into the obscure zone next week. Well, don't get too obscure well, now. Not See, too obscure, but maybe ones that aren't as familiar. Maybe that'll do it. Okay, let's talk to Miles in Tacoma. Hi, Miles. You're on the bus. I, what what was the movie? Was it Hard Day's Night? I called the station and I got some other radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. I thought you guys were playing a joke on me and I stayed on the line for like 10 minutes. Did you really? Yeah. It, you were right. It is Hard Day's Night. That was it. So I win. I win. Yeah, you win. Well, you, you win, you know, our hearts. It wasn't a Hard Day's Night. It was, ah, Hard Day's Night. It wasn't a Hard Day's Night. Okay, so you don't win, Miles. Okay, you guys, Canadian guys use the A all the time, right? Yeah, that's right. Maybe that's it, yeah. I'm sorry, Miles, but I guess you don't win now. Do you know who the artist is on this one? Um, boy, it sure sounds familiar. I know that style. Hmm. This is the greatest song I've ever heard, but I don't know the artist. I can't place the artist. Bob. Come on. 
fill in the blank. Bob Thompson! Bob Thompson! Man! What do you get so mad about that for? I just, I, I just zone out. I just zone it. I just uh, space it. I don't. I just can't get that. I don't know. There's just a little, this little missing area in my head. I cannot remember the name of Rob Bob Johnson. Thompson. I see. I just can't. I just don't remember that. I think I'd have it written out in front of me or something. Think like of how that. Bob Thompson must feel. Oh, I know. I know I'm hurting him. <laughs> I'm just, that's not, I'm nothing I'm doing on purpose. I just can't remember that. Just got to read. What is it again? What's his name again? Bob Thompson! Say, they say if you say something five times. Bob you, Thompson! Yeah, say, Bob Thompson, Bob Thompson, Bob Thompson, Bob Thompson. One more time. What was it again? It's oh. Bob, Bob Thompson! Bob Thompson, Bob Thompson. Yeah, then you're never going to have to remind me again. I've got it now. Another one of his great features was the Hornby workout. The premise was you didn't need to work out that much. You just need right. to work out effectively. And every one of them, every Hornby workout, which would happen on Monday mornings, always ended in a horrible accident. <laughs> we now join the Hornby workout already in progress. That's right, Mr. Cannon. Running on the spot here, Pat. Kind of, kind of running in place there, aren't you, Doc? Yes, I am. Running on the spot. It's a special kind of shoe you have we to wear. We call it running in place in this country. That's right. That's yeah. right. Keep on running. Looking good, Mr. Chairman. Keep it up. Oh, boy. You know Today I'm going to be a... Oh, my God. You know, you know, I like to try a little preliminary exercise before I get to the main event, Pat. Settle down a little bit. Let you relax. Oh, I've been working out. It's Monday morning. Now, Fifi, yes. hand me that rope over there. Okay, here you go, Mr. Okay, thank Chairman. You. Now, see, see this, Pat? That's good. Skip. Oh, isn't that Jumping good, eh? Skipper rope. Skip now, you got to be careful not to let go of the end of the rope because it has a tendency to lash. Well, yeah, you could slap somebody with That's the right. loose end of the rope if you let okay, go of one Okay, now, what I want you to do, Fifi, hand the rope to Pat. Of course, that there couldn't possibly happen. Happen. Now, Pat, I want you to skip skip a little rope I, yourself. I don't know if I can do it. Come on. Okay. Come on. Let, me, there you go. let me give it a try here. Okay. There you go. Let me try. Now, whatever you do, don't let go of the end there. Why? If I let go of the... If I let go of the end of the rope, oh, 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 I just wanted to see what would happen if I let go of the rope. Jay, copy right in the eyeball, you jackass. I'm sorry. I should never have let go of the end of that rope. Oh man, it's a superior oblique muscle, and it inserted behind the equator in the upper lateral quadrant of the posterior global aspect. It passes medially under the superior rectus. Yeah, why, forward. oh, why did I ever let go of the end of that yeah, rope? Send its tendon through the trachlea path. <sighs> My goodness. Give me a hand, would you? And, uh, and, and wasn't it, and wasn't it, and wasn't it also, he always broke his coccyx. It was his coccyx. And did you know, I don't know, and I'm not sure what you're going to play here, Pat, but um, I was all, I was his assistant Fifi on a lot That's of those. That's right. You were workout. Fifi. Yes. We just heard Fifi. you as a matter of fact. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you were just sort of uh, drafted into that role, but you did it beautifully. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. He's like, and I loved him for that because he always included everybody. It, you are also the same way, but yeah. Dustin always let everybody play in the sandbox. So w w I felt very um, honored that he said, hey, why don't you come be part of the this little bit that I do? And I was yeah. like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, just just do something I, funny. We didn't talk about it most of the time. He, I just nope. said, what, go what, what, do whatever you want to do, Dust. And he right. had created something really crazy and funny. A lot of sound effects, a lot of music, and he always got hurt. And then he he also uh, opined on romance as as Doctor Love. I forgot about Doctor Love. Time for Hornby on romance, ladies and gentlemen. I give you Doctor Love. Don't ask your date to scratch somewhere you can't reach, and then take off your pants. Thank you, Doctor Love. But then he did a thing called the time machine bit, where he would go back in time to visit famous people from the past. His premise was always that, you know, 
people that we know about from history turn out not to be exactly as they're portrayed in the history books. <laughs> now, how did you uh, come to acquire a time machine, uh, Hornby? Did you build it? I made this? it. I built it myself. You built it from, yeah. a, from so, a kit? Yeah. Where, like a, sh a radio shack, something like that? Yep. Mm -hmm. So this yep. is a Tandy time machine? Yes, it is. Okay. Now, look stick, at stick, it. it says, stick, stick to the script. Okay. Yeah. 1930. <laughs> See, Pat, 1930 is where I'm going to go back to. Right. Right? right. And, and the place, New Delhi, because I'm going to visit my old pal, Mahatma Gandhi. Now make sure you set that thing right so you don't wind up at a sub. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start it up here, Pat, okay. and start up the time machine. This is going to be good. This is a new feature, by the way. Yeah, a Hornby time machine. That's what it's called now. Oh, there we go. Oh, all right. There we are. Oh. Here I go. Losing hearing in the high decibel range here. Is that you? You've lost an enormous amount of weight. You're half of what you used to be. I have itchy, itchy wretch. I'm losing hearing in the high decibel range. I've landed in a sparse living quarter in New Delhi. I, I can recognize it as, as Mahatma Gandhi's place here. I wonder where he's at. Maybe a sound effect of a door opening would be good. Yes, I think it would. There's one. Oh, hello, Mahatma. Oh, what have I done to deserve this? It's you again, Hornby, you irritating little man. What do you want? Mahatma, I wanted I, to ask you about Satyagraha. In other words, the non-violent civil disobedience. You are an irritating little no, man. I want you out of my place right now. No, I don't want to go. Get out of here. Well, what? Get out of here right now. No. I'm going to. Hornby, stop. Get the You're going back to the present and get out of here. Pat, I'm back. I can't, I can't, I can't handle it. I told you that the people in history are not what they appear to be. Mm -hmm. Mahatma Gandhi's a different character totally. Yeah. I, I, I just don't believe it, that he could possibly be like that, but he was. I can't, I can't believe your new feature could be like this. I love, I love this bit, don't you, Pat? Yeah, it's great. This is the Pat Cashman Show. By the way, that was our producer at the time, Nate Jones, as Gandhi. Uh, Nate was just a wonderful producer. Prior to him, there was a guy named Dan Fuller that was our producer. Another terrific guy who decided at some point, i got to get off this sinking ship. And he went down the hall to work on the Dave Ross Show. On, on another radio station. Smart move. But nobody can talk about Dustin Hornby without remembering that this guy loved his native country, Canada. Yep. And and without any kind of prelude most of the time, he would just burst in to the Canadian National Anthem. Um, also, I wanted to thank Dustin for something. Um, yeah. Last week he sang a song, and I don't want to say the name, uh, in reference to a country to the north. Talking feel, about Greenland. I feel aren't you? very stupid admitting this, but I've never been able to figure out all the words to it. And I've always thought we stand on God for thee. Yeah, well, that's the way you, you do pronounce it that way, but it's on guard for thee, right? Yeah, and finally last week. Why do you week, sing it that way, it? Hornby? That's the way it is. As far as I know, I haven't uh, seen stand anything else God? that tells Oh, you think different. it's stand on God for thee? Well, is that what you think it is? No, be, stand on guard. Why do you say guard? I say guard. You say God. I do not. Yes, you do. <laughs> Look what you've started, Brian.
and sing it like that, full-throated. And a lot of people thought, is he kidding around? Isn't that, isn't that sort of disrespectful? Not at all. He was sincere about it. I, don't, I think he knew he wasn't a great singer, but that didn't matter. The point is, he loved Canada and he wanted to sing about it. And as he did it over a period of months and years on the radio, I'd hear from people all the time who said, you know what, I know the words to the Canadian National Anthem because, because he sings it so much. Yeah, yeah exactly, me too. Back in the King 1090 days, uh, uh, Lisa Brooks, who was uh, my sidekick prior to you, uh, she jo- I, Dustin launched into the song, and I told him it wasn't very good. And, well, then Lisa Brooks, uh, I, I put her up to singing it instead. But as you'll hear... Because she's he, a very good singer. She's, she's a, a good singer. fantastic singer. And he could not... He let he let her sing it, but pretty soon he has to jump in. And too. so Dustin, uh, not only a capable engineer, of course, and, and a beloved figure here at King 1090, but a uh, an astonishing vocalist as well. And so... Well, thank you, Pat. If you would please, Dustin, favor oh, sure, us sure. with your rendition Definitely. of the Canadian National Anthem. Here is Dustin well, Hornby. This is live, folks. Trying hard there, but you're really not doing uh, much with that song, oh. except slaughtering it. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, know, oh. I don't mean to be mean. We, nice. oh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. This uh, station does go into Canada. We would like to do a nicer version of O Canada. What would you say if we had Lisa Brooks here, our very own Lisa Brooks, what? do the song instead? That'd be fine. Huh? And- Dustin was asked if he would sing the national anthem at a, uh, I think it was Seattle Thunderbirds hockey game. And the Thunderbirds were playing a team like Cantaloupes or somebody from Canada. So Dustin, he, so he said, yeah, I'll go sing the national anthem right prior to the game. He doesn't just show up. He shows up in a full Canadian Mountie costume <laughs> and goes out, sings this song, and... Uh, our producer, Nate Jones, uh, was there, too. The crowd, I think, was there for hockey. They weren't necessarily there because of our show. And I think we were so blind to that fact. I think we believe that we packed the stands with people that came there to see Dustin sing. And then the hockey was a secondary thing, uh, just from the general like the wall of people that were the crowd, you could hear, who is this guy? Did they fly him down from Canada? If anything, they might have thought it was an affront or maybe something like yeah. uh, Roseanne, Roseanne Barr singing the national anthem. You know, they, yeah. they weren't in on the joke. Yeah. And for Dustin, I don't think he it was a joke to him. Truly, I don't think he ever saw the humor in his singing of Canadian national anthem. It was really much, uh, uh, it was his love song.
Oh. Spec- spectacular, yeah. Across town, I would moonlight on a sketch comedy show called Almost Live, and I would get Dustin to make a cameo or two. And in this fake commercial, for example, Dustin did a very silly testimonial. You've heard it from your parents, your teachers, your friends. You've heard it all your life. Stop doing that. 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 But in spite of it all, you've never really been able to stop doing that, have you? But now there's help. Hello, I'm Dr. Harvey Feenwalder, and I've helped thousands of people to stop doing that. People who've been doing that for all of their lives now no longer do that. Thanks to Dr. Feenwalder, I've almost completely stopped doing that. Well, I still do that once in a while, but I don't do that as much as I used to. If you'd like help to stop doing that, send for this informational pamphlet, How to Stop Doing That. Within a few weeks, you'll begin to lose the urge to continue doing that. But what if I like doing that? (laughs) You need to stop doing that. Send for this pamphlet, How to Stop Doing That. Box 10590, Grand Central Station, New York. Not affiliated with Stop Touching That, Stop Picking at That Thing, and Stop Making Those Noises. And I also used to do a bit where I would ask people on the street a bunch of rapid-fire questions that would then be summarized to create a goofy final sentence. And this is what Dustin did. And we're on the street again, asking people questions. Rotten eggs smell bad. To get people to quiet down, you say, Curiosity killed a cat. Merchant ivory films have too much talking. The rear end of a boat is aft. Do you think you're a fair man? I'm just. Rumors are mostly just here. Say. But if you had a list, they'd be here. Say. A boxing match is called a boat. When you talk under your breath, you mutter. There is a town near Renton, last name Qua, first name Issa. It's good to separate the wheat from the shaft. Which of my questions annoyed you the most? That. So to summarize what he just told us. They say that cat shaft is a bad mutter. Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about the shaft. Um, One of our. I do remember. I do remember too. He. I love that he. All these things you're talking about with his Canadian history and um, mm-hmm. heritage, he always wove those in. And one of the funniest things he did was we used to uh, April Fools every year. Oh we'd yeah, come up with some some crazy thing that. And I just told somebody this story the other day about what Dustin did, and um, and. Oftentimes, people tuning in first thing in the morning, you know, we started our show at 5 a.m. Right. And oftentimes, people, they didn't, we didn't have smartphones back then. We didn't know what the date was. You know, we knew what the date was because we always had to do things on this date in history and whatever. But oftentimes, people weren't even aware that it was April, April Fool's Day, and we wouldn't say anything about it, but we'd launch into whatever thing we were going to do. So Destin (laughs) came up with, I think, the one. April Fool's joke that inflamed people the most. I mm-hmm. just remember this going on for a couple of hours or so and people having just flaming litters of cows over this this thing, this idea that Dustin came up with, which was, and I may get this wrong, but it was that we were going to be switching from how we normally tell time with the 12, the 12 marks to a, what, what he called the metric time metric clock yeah the metric clock which would be based on tens which which by the way is actually pretty sorry i don't know why we do the things that we do in in the u.s and why we measure things the way we do because the rest of the world has it right and the way he made his argument for how this is going to work and be much more effective and how we were going to actually gain time. I think he mentioned you're going to gain some extra time every day because of this new metric clock. And And he sold it really hard. He sold it so well. And people, the the switchboard was jammed on our call-in show. People just 
Yeah, we kept it going, like you said, for a couple of hours, because if I saw that somebody said, hey, wait a minute, this is a trick, it's April Fool's, I simply would not take that call. I wanted people (laughs) to be mad, and so we'd take the angry calls. And my position was, Dustin was selling the idea, and my position was that I'm mad about it, and it's government overreach, and how dare they. And then you were more of a moderate saying, well, now, wait a minute, Pat. Yeah, exactly. Dustin has a good point here, and and we carried that on, and he sold it so well. so fun. God, he was great. That was so fun. And I remember we had a woman on the air one time, one of those news stories that come along every once in a while where she has had a baby, but she didn't know she was pregnant. And uh, <laughs> I, love this so I remember much. She, she was from Renton and we got her on the air. We interviewed her. And as Dustin customarily did, I'm sitting there thinking, gee, I wonder what song he's going to play at the end of this interview. It'll probably be something obvious like You're Having My Baby by Paul Anka. What a lovely way of saying how much you love me. Sure, that, like that. Seems, that seems like an obvious choice. Yeah, that's what I would have thought of, not Dustin. <laughs> he comes up with this. The interview's over, and this is the song he plays. I knew you were coming out of Bake the Cake. Bake the Cake. Bake the Cake. If I knew you were coming out of Bake the Cake. How'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do? Had you drop me a letter? I'd How we thought of that? It's a like an obscure song from the 1950s, but it was so perfect, and it speaks so perfectly to the creative mind of Dustin. God, he was special. One of our interns, Lisa, along the way, was a guy who's done pretty well for himself in Hollywood circles over the last few years, Joel McHale. Yes. Uh, he was always uh, so nice and really funny and quirky remember when you i think you were let go and then he stayed on he was just like i just about the money pat i just gotta take the money i'll never forget that that was really funny and from time to time keith shipman who is now the the executive director of the washington state broadcasters association he would come in uh to pinch hit for guys like dory if they were on vacation Keith uh, would come in, and we had a great time with him, and he remembers Dustin, too. Without a doubt, Dustin was the glue. His wizardry behind the console exemplified that he was truly a magician, turning chaos into silky, smooth programming that listeners so passionately enjoyed. Hugs to all who love the humble Canadian and the chairman of the board. Let's celebrate our friend well. And then we had a guy who worked on another part of the station named Ron Callen. Do you remember Ron? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he Ron was, sports, was great. He was, he was a sports guy over on Such Carly a Little. heavy sport, like a, like so, like he lived, drank, ate, slept sports. That's yes, he it. did. But he came down the hall one day to deliver a special song that he had rewritten for Dustin's birthday. What are you going to be doing for your birthday tomorrow, Dust? Well, actually, we're going to the Sonics game tonight, Pat. Oh, that's great. Oh, you know, we're looking for a playoff to... game. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, it's, you know it's in Phoenix, don't you? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You mean in... to say I'm going to have to fork out the bucks to go now? Yeah, it's in Phoenix. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. No, I know. That's it, good. It's down at the key, and we're all excited. We've had the, the my wife has purchased the tickets for my birthday. And Alex, uh, my wife and I are going to go, the three of us. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Oh, that's great. And happy birthday to you tomorrow. Thanks. Hope you have a lot of good things. One of our friends from the uh, other side of this uh, (laughs) station, this company, Ron Callen, the sports guy over there, uh, wanted also to come by and kind of offer up a tribute to you of sorts, Dust. That would be okay? Sure. Thank you. Uh, Ron, I believe what you've come up with is that you've actually... Well, taking the liberty, and it it, 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 there, it does take a little liberty because this is almost like a you know a reverential song that we're dealing with true. here, the Canadian national anthem. But if he could indulge your forgiveness, Dustin, mm-hmm. Ron uh, wanted to sing a birthday tribute to you. you. Ready, Ronnie? I am ready. All right, here we go. So grand, we do know 
that you came from Yellowknife and you love James Bond movies. We do know that you love Burger King. Oh, Dustin, you're a whopper of a man. Thanks from the buzz. Oh, thanks from your friends. Happy birthday from Pat, Nate, Karen, and Lisa, and everybody here. Wow. Very nice, Ron. Karen. There's not a dry Karen. seat in the house. No. Ron, I'm just, <laughs> no. man, I'm speechless. Well, did you what? tell him the little bonus package you got? Yeah, he's got one other little thing well, we want to surprise you with. Um, yeah, tell him about it. June 3rd. Mm -hmm. The Canadian baseball team, the Toronto Blue Jays, will be here. Uh -huh. We've secured four tickets uh, near the kingdom for that game. <laughs> you have? <laughs> yes, actually in the kingdom. Four tickets? Four tickets for you and three other individuals that you'd want to take. Well, I'm going to take the morning crew. I don't want to go with you. You don't? I can't stand being around you. This is all I can take just being on the show. Thank you, Ron. Very, See you very later. Much. Thanks, Ronnie. Happy birthday, Dusty. Thanks, Pat. I'm standing tall, buddy. Well, relatively speaking. We cannot in a in a podcast like this, unless we made it twelve hour marathon, do enough justice to this remarkable guy. I loved him so much. I got to see him. Um, yeah. He was given us word uh, in midsummer, I think, that he had three to six months left to live. I got to visit him three times. And, and the thing about him was he never, he never got sentimental. He never got teary. He never showed, uh, sympathy for himself, pity, none of that. You know, there are people who teach you how to live in life. Dustin taught me at least how to die. He's just, God, he's magnificent to the end in my, in my view. Um, you got any other thoughts about this guy? I I love this saying that the end of a life is not the end of a friendship, and uh, yeah. for me, Dustin will never stop being thought of as my friend. Yeah, I know, and um, I I think about the people that veer onto our paths that we don't take the time to really marvel at how much they change us, teach us, um, better us. And it is sometimes in hindsight that all those feelings come up. And I know that is the case for me. And I, last time I saw him was at our 100th, uh, podcast, uh, episode party at third place books. Mm -hmm. And that's then about, I lost, that was about five years ago. It, yeah. Uh, and then, and then I lost contact with him and those things happen. And, um, um, it just makes you really take a look at who should I be reaching out to right now? Magnificent people like Dustin don't come along very often. So it does make you pause for a moment and just get out of your own life and way and start to think about those people that you want to reach out and, and so for anybody listening if there's somebody you have had very special in your life that you haven't spoken to in a while whatever the reason is send them an email um, I wish yeah. I had done that I wish I'd kept up with him but I'm so glad you did because I know how how special your guys's friendship was and so I'm really glad that you had a chance to be with him this podcast would not be exist without him and the, exactly what he taught me about how to put a show together and yeah. and as one of our final times he asked me he turned me aside I'm about to leave and he said hey Pat would you uh, give a eulogy at my memorial service. Uh, what do you say to that? The only thing I could think to say, and you can only say it to somebody like Dustin, because <laughs> you know how he is. I said, well, yeah. 
I guess I could do that, Dustin, but you're going to have to call my agent first. <laughs> he laughed. The test of courage is not to die, but it's to live. And I always remember George Bernard Shaw's quote, Life doesn't cease to be funny when people die any more than it ceases to be serious when people die. I want to thank Dustin's remarkable wife, Barbara, his son, Alex, and spouse, Karina, and stepdaughter, Dawn. Dustin has three sisters, Nikki, Leslie, and Marie. He has five grandchildren, Lydia, Jonathan, Matthew, Ava, and Memphis. Dustin's mom and dad were Gordon and Kay. His grandfather, Ernie Boffa, is a member of the Canadian Aviation Hall of Fame. His grandmother, on his mom's side, used to barnstorm and walk the wings of planes. Thanks, too, to Arthur Allen, Lynn Barker, Nate Jones, Joel McHale, Keith Shipman, and Ron Callan, and to special listeners who loved him, Michael and Donna Taylor, and so many more. Dustin Hornby was the chairman of the board. We love you, Dustin. Oh, yes, we do. We love you, Dustin. It will be true. When you're not broadcasting, we're blue. Oh, Dustin, we love you. When I think of Dustin Hornby, I think of uh, three or four things. One, on his love of his family, uh, also his love of his birth country, uh, Canada, uh, a great deep affection for California and Hollywood and everything cinema and also music. And what made it so infectious when you're around Dustin Hornby was he could not help but infect those around him with a similar love. I'll never forget the day somebody came in with, you know, it was like, it was the dawn, it was the, you know, it was the 90s, so it was the beginning of kind of exotic ice cream flavors, and somebody brought in garlic ice cream, and Dustin pretended to like it, and then he, the person left, and he was like, oh, that was god-awful, and uh, he spat it out in that waste paper basket, and I was like, oh, that was pretty good. Uh, I, I can't help but think that he was eager that there would be an afterlife, you know, an after party to life. Well, Dusty, I'd like to thank you for being our guest here on Small Fry. I hope you enjoyed the stage show, and I hope we get back to Yellowknife sometime so uh, we can see you again, and maybe we'll get a chance to hear your show. Well, I hope you do, too. Thank you very much. Dusty Hornby, the youngest disc jockey Small Fry has ever talked to. Yeah.